This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, back for another Anatomy of Movie. In today's quick review, we talk I, Tanya. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. Dimitri Pano. Hey, movie fans. What's happening? And I'm Phil Svitek. We're talking I, Tanya, the Margot Robbie movie. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're <laughs> rejoining us, welcome back. And a couple things. First off, we have seen. We assume you've seen the movie. Therefore, it will be spoiler-filled. And secondly, you can always get our rundown in the description box so you can follow along. This is a slightly not as in-depth version of what we do, but we'll ask the hard-hitting questions. Now, generally, we start with quick thoughts on the movie. However, I want to start with something else to sort of spark conversation. So let's see. Spark away, Sparky. I'm nervous. It's uh, <laughs> Sparky's the name of my dog. So this this quote is from David Foster Wallace. It's from his very famous commencement speech to um, to Keenan. Anyway. It goes, it's easy to run this story through a kind of standard liberal arts analysis. The exact same experience can mean two totally different things to two different people given people's two b- different belief templates and two different ways of constructing meaning from experience. Because we prize tolerance and diversity of belief, nowhere in our liberal arts analysis do we want to claim that one's, one's interpretation is true or the other one's false or bad. Which is fine, except we also never end up talking about just where these individual templates and beliefs come from, meaning where they come from inside these two people. If a pers- as if a person's most basic orientation toward the world and the meaning of his or her experiences were somehow just hardwired like height or shoe size, automatically absorbed from culture like language. Now, why do you guys think I would choose that? <laughs> because this is a famous story that has clearly two sides to it. Some people will say there's only one side to it. But, Dimitri, why do you think I picked it? And how do you interpret that as it applies to this? Well, again, going off of Marissa's point, there are there are two sides of the story. We're not going off of opinion. And this movie tells a side of the story. And a side, um, well, I, it's fair to say, well, I, I think it need be said, I'm from Boston. Uh, I was in Boston when the events that are portrayed in this movie, took place. The infamous events. And Nancy Kerrigan is a is a New England native. I believe she's from Stoneham, Massachusetts, which is about five miles from where I live. And when this story erupted on the scene, we saw a side of the story, none of which was really portrayed in this movie. I felt like I saw a movie that was showing me something and I was going, huh, Really? Because being from Boston, there was, <laughs> we knew exactly who was guilty, and, and we knew the party that it was guilty from. And this is the way the news was being portrayed there, uh, in that territory. It was interesting to me in this, to see the movie, like this side of the story. It gave me pause. It made me think about things, and maybe, maybe the New England uh, news was biased because Nancy Kerrigan being a hometown girl and we want her to succeed. And this is a horrendous event. But seeing things when she, when Tanya Harding, after the events that take place, when she was in Portland, Oregon, and people were like holding up signs saying, we love you, Tanya, we support you, Tanya. We got none of that in Boston. People wanted blood. Um, of Tanya Harding, the husband, the bodyguard, the whole dopey clan, so to speak. So that's why I believe that you're quoting today and, and the way the media looks at things. I saw this story from a far different perspective than what the movie has portrayed. And then add to that now, we have the third story, which we'll talk about is the re celebrity, the, the renaissance of Tanya Harding and the celebrityism 
that she has gotten today because of this movie. She, again, is in the public eye and being painted very differently than, than what happened so many years ago. Well, so Marissa, you've done a lot of research on the sort of development, the writing process of what sparked this. And in fact, you were lucky enough to uh, work behind the scenes yesterday on an interview with Ileana Douglas as she interviewed uh, the writer Stephen Rogers. Stephen Rogers, yeah. So give us that whole perspective because that's the inception of all of this. I think it's really interesting. It's it's pretty cool what we do because every once in a while we do get to meet awesome people who are involved in uh, you know the process of films that we talk about. Stephen Rogers was literally sitting where I am 24 hours ago, <laughs> so it's pretty kind of cool if you think about it. Uh, it came from his perspective of he was just like generally interested in in the story back back in the time and he wanted to i mean he came from a very successful line of romantic films back in the late 90s early 2000s and then he had a flap with uh i love the coopers a couple years ago and it it kind of derailed him mentally uh just like in professionally that like he 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 got so upset by like such a failure in, in a project that he believed in and it changed him and he wanted to quit he wanted to quit writing quit the industry but then he he wanted to write another story that would essentially reinvent himself and he thought of this story found and tracked down actual tanya harding just to see if her life rights were available and they were and he found it it was interesting because like he, he got a hold of a contact in texas he went and followed it and it actually was like an associate of tanya it wasn't tanya herself but it was someone who was kind of connected to tanya which it ultimately led him and to tanya and they sat down and she really <clears throat> never really got to tell her side of the story in in like a film aspect way right? like and from there, just talking to Tanya, he had, of course, his misconceptions and preconceived notions about who Tanya was. But actually sitting down and talking with Tanya, he's like, there's actually an interesting story. She's an interesting person that people should know about. And therein lies the genesis of just him getting the life rights to her and then leading to Galuli, the, the ex-husband. And he was even, the the real life Galuli was... Um, very open to sitting down and talking to Stephen Rogers as well because he never really told the story to anyone and he didn't want any profit in the film. He just wanted to say his side of the story and, and his involvement. And so when you get the actual people of this event to openly talk about it, there's your story. And I somewhat believe that. I, you know, I mean, I, I, I understand. Uh, I get it. I just think that... Um, Again, there there are certain things that that just don't jibe that the movie also neglected to show. Um, one in in which was a going into the Lillehammer Olympics. Now, one of the telling and I think satirical lines of this movie was when they were talking about perhaps pulling her from the Olympics and such. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, CBS isn't going to let this happen. They can me all they want. CBS knows this is a ratings winner. Of course, you know, I'm going to go on it. And I remember watching that Lily Hummer, um, a little, that, that event specifically. But there was one thing that they neglected to show. And there was literally the two of them passed each yeah. other. And it was, the, it was the daggers shot from the eyes around the world. Like, I mean, just there's a snapshot photo of it. And I was like, how could they not put that in this movie? Like that, that, I mean, everybody talked about that forever. So again, I think that, I think the movie almost, I don't want to, it doesn't sugarcoat her, but in a sense, I'm not entirely convinced it's telling the absolute truth and I'll go with the actual Tanya Harding, who threatened, or if not uh, her manager, publicist, quit because Tanya Harding herself said, if any journalist asks me about the Nancy Kerrigan incident, they're going to be fined some, like, $20,000. Where the hell do you get off? What do you think people want to talk to you about in this day and age? Yeah, you'll get to talk about the movie, but 
The movie is focused around, even the movie itself calls it the incident. What it, and she's gonna tell? Well, even the movie, the, the I, <laughs> she's gonna well, tell the, the press. The movie itself bills it like you came to see. This is what you came right. to see, right? It, it's a headline event of the movie. Um, but so okay, the question then for let me ask it this way: Does this movie? I think it very much is not interested in the truth. It is interested in people's truth. <laughs> and okay. But I, I, I think so. Like that's you know, in terms of Stephen Rogers, um, yeah, I think he did some research, but I don't think he was as concerned of getting the facts right. More so, and as far as the story you told, I think I could see why Tanya probably would exclude that and not necessarily want it in the movie because it's not the best light because she made them to be quote friends. So I'm asking, is it okay for a movie to do that in the basic sense, or or you know, is there? Is immoral, <laughs> morally okay for it? Probably not. But this, the the problem with this film is, is very one sided. It's very biased. It's called I Tanya, so you know you're only going to get one side and one perspective. Especially someone as we know, just in uh, media's sake, that she was so hurt by this so called quote unquote incident that she's going to be bitter. And in telling the story. Mm-hmm. So it, there is some bias um, while you're watching it. And you're like, uh, who who do I believe? Even the way she's saying it, does that make, her, make us, the viewer, more empathetic towards the situation that ultimately still happened? Right. I mean, I don't think this movie sugarcoated her life. And I do believe, like, there was a scene where they said that they're actually, that she and Nancy Kerrigan were friends. Okay, and I believe that. There, I believe that only because of you know they're much like rock stars or people who are making a movie. They're touring together, so I I understood that, and I actually believe that. There were just aspects of it that I felt, pardon me, seemed to be either glossed over or not paid attention to. And I understand it is I Tanya. As a movie, I thought technically, I think this movie works. I think it's. I think the direction of this movie was 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 excellent. Um, I believe the performances too were 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 right on. Were were, were just top notch. The movie drew me in, and as I said, it gave me pause. But I had to rethink. I had to go back and remember how things were being portrayed where I lived, and how things could potentially be portrayed. It three thousand miles away, because I there was nothing that ever showed we love you, Tanya. There was no support in Boston for for for, for the shenanigans that that took place. So that's I don't mind a movie being made about this. Um, and we can talk about the again. I what I am sort of surprised and what I don't like is that they're making her a celebrity again and giving her and thanking her. At places like the Golden well, Globe, she's arm in arm with Margot Robbie and things like that, and she's being part of speeches. Well, I let's let's put a pin on that for one second, only because I think we can kind of get to how we got there, right? And so I'll ask it this way as a, as a kicking off thing: as far as the tone of the movie, it takes to me what otherwise is a very serious subject matter and turns into if you've ever seen Arrested Development, kind of Arrested Development, where it's very satirical. And so when you talk about depicting <clears throat> Tanya's life and the hardships, we do it with a sense of humor. You know, she's literally shooting a shotgun at the husband. She's like, I never did that. <laughs> and so, and, and as an audience, I don't know, it, to me it was so, somewhat, I didn't necessarily know how to react. Um, there was times I did straight out laugh because it was just so funny and, and even uh, in particular, once we get towards the end of, um, I forget, the, the bodyguard when he's like, to Tom Hart, I don't know a Tom Harding. Oh, Tanya. Yes, yes. Right. And it just turns into this farce. Well, the opening, the opening title card to this movie, which I didn't commit to memory, but says this is an interpretation of ironic, like, untruths and or truths, you know, it basically is leaving it up to the audience. But that title card sets up the movie and i think the word satire 
is a, a fantastic word because this does satirize it satirizes the, the world of ice skating. We can talk about the the judging of ice skating, which has always been suspect within the Olympics to begin with. Uh, it satirizes the media. I mean, hard copy with these shows were these shows were just starting out then. And what I thought was a perfect bookend to this movie, at the end of the movie, it, it pretty much leads into O.J. Simpson, which, mm-hmm. you know, that was all tabloid. Like, this movie may have started the tabloid, and then we go into O.J. Simpson where, you know, and then the CNN 24-hour coverage, or hard copy, and now, uh, what do we have today? What's... uh um, in terms of uh, yeah, what's that? The, the, the TMZ. TMZ. Yeah. I mean, hard copy was in a sense a TMZ of its time. And also, you know? if you think about it, just the story was way more worldwide because this is the Winter Olympics, Olympics. where multiple countries are involved. This is a national, internationally broadcasted event. Right. Whereas you said OJ Simpson, that was only like a domestic story. Like people in Europe wouldn't freaking care about OJ and what happened. But people in America did. But that's why the whole world was involved on this, because it wasn't an international story. It was, it's an international and sport. I also, I also didn't realize the, the how great ice skating was. And Like, I knew, you know, I grew up with uh, more so, like, Christian Maguchi and, and th- that, right. that mm-hmm. era of ice skaters. But even then, I didn't, you know, from an early age, I didn't realize, oh, this is the sport, you know, in terms of Winter Olympics and so forth. Right. right. And, like, I grew up with, like, Michelle Kwan era as well. But uh, it's also, it, it does shed some light to just, like, how prestigious ice skating was. It is such a, I don't want to say fancy, but, like, a high-regarded sport that where something as terrible and horrendous as an act could be in such a high-profile sport is this big surprise for people. And it was a very high-profile uh, case, because a lot of it, too, I mean, they're just a bunch of idiots. I mean, there were cameras around. So it was like we got to see what we may not have seen the act happen. We definitely saw the aftermath. Everybody who uh, was around that time, why? The, the crying of the why, the tears in the face, I mean... And and the pure thing of why why did this happen and that turned into why did this happen who did this what and that led into the investigation and that became that became the tabloid news mm-hmm. and and because these people were idiots it was pretty much solved rather quickly I mean because it led to all of the drama going into the Lillehammer mm-hmm. Olympics. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me ask this: Is this if since we're depicting what's true and what's not true is there any truth to uh, i don't know what the word is not corruption but um but sort of messing around in terms of the sport of of mind games if you will for a more subdued term you mean mind games amongst the 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 athletes yeah because that that was started and that's what kind of was the inception into this obviously very grotesque version of that I think there were there was like there was a lot of sports pressures and qualifications that women have to go through to be in ice skating and the the think the film does actually a good job of setting up Tanya Harding's life. She does not have the conventional um, training of for the sport. She wasn't raised in a perfect household. Um, not to say Nancy Kerrigan was in a perfect household either, but just saying like she didn't have like the best. Um, foundation and to grow up in and like she she had to go against the grain people were already counting out tanya harding so you do feel bad for her in some ways and it put and like we just know the sport wasn't really on tanya's side throughout throughout this so like tanya put did put in the hard work and the training and yet she wasn't getting the uh, recognition and appreciation that she should have. So I can understand Tanya was like just frustrated, and then when this incident happened, they blew it up more than it should have been. Well, again, I go back to um, there's whether it's gymnastics, anything that you need to be graded on by a human judge panel, uh, but particularly the Olympics, and particularly within the past ten years. It has come to light that there has been corruption 
within there. People have been paid off. You're not necessarily being graded on how good you do. And I think this movie showed that, particularly when she confronted that that judge in his car. And he's like, look, you don't... Look, skating aside... You don't you don't represent family values. We she, he basically said we don't like you, mm-hmm. and that's what they're grading on. And you, if you've ever watched the Winter Olympics, whether it was the Lillehammer or Kurt or gymnastics, and now we were, we're coming Olympics. up in the Winter Olympics right now, when they're being judged. Now, look, I, I know nothing about skating, and it's the only time I'll ever watch it is during the Winter Olympics because the competition is so heated. But I'll watch things, and I'm like, wow, that looked great to me. And then they end up getting, like, a three. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And then somebody else will do something, and they'll get a higher score. And I was like, huh, well, what do I know? But, again, people have been tossed out. People have been arrested for taking bribes, for for not being an unbiased judge. But, uh, I mean, so. even if you're unbiased, what is the definition of that? Right, and also they were just in the sports requirement. Like, the, the, like you did get points for appearance. And they, they docked Tanya Harding all the time for that because she didn't live up to the quote-unquote appearance that they were looking for in the actual sport. So, like, she was upset about that. There was a lot of different factors where the sport was already against her before she even started. Yeah, and obviously we're in turmoil. Um, Allie Raisman is sort of opening the door to... Sure. That whole yeah, thing. gymnastics wanna, is a whole nother beast. I don't want to get into Another that. Another New Englander, um, you know. But but one thing too that I did not know about Tanya Harding, and again, this was, could have been purely because I was living in Boston. Like I didn't know she was the first woman ever to do the triple axel, and I do know that that is a big move in ice skating, and she. Um, did it consecutively and flawlessly many times up until Lillehammer, let's say. But I didn't realize that that she did have a celebrityism prior to all this. But I never paid attention to skating, so I never knew about Tanya Harding until the incident in the Lillehammer Olympics and, and the events leading up to that. Well, to uh, from a production standpoint, because it is such a hard move. Uh, there was only three, uh, from what I call, three women in the world that could actually pull that off, and so they had to get one of them to to double up for yeah. that move because, you know, it's obviously a very tough move. And uh, the way it was described and explained from a visual standpoint and from the dialogue standpoint of the movie, I thought it was brilliant. That's why I think the tech specs in this movie were amazing how the camera was able to follow the skates, and you got to see... The, tech, the technical aspects of that move. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought they did a really good job. And uh, Margot Robbie, having grown up uh, nowhere near ice, <laughs> put it lightly, <laughs> she, she didn't really know ice skating. No, she, had, she, she actually wanted to eventually play hockey, though, ironically. Um, but, she, you know, going back to an earlier point, when she read the initially, when she read it, it wasn't until the end of the screenplay that she realized, "Oh, this is based on something." So, do you find that ironic telling of the script, or, or just comical, or just think nothing of it? Ultimately, I mean, it's it's funny if you think about it, but you also just have to remember who Margaret Robbie is. I mean, she's an Australian and she's young. She's my age. I mean, come on, and you, you just got to remember, like, she did not grow up. Knowing, uh, you can assume she didn't wasn't well versed in the story. So now realizing the story was based on real events. I mean, I I think that's just a natural reaction. But also kudos to her for wanting to portray such a um, big story and a big person in real life. Well, I think it's a testament to the script. Like if you again to to Margot Robbie's. I mean, I'm sure there were many people. Who didn't really know about that story? She she wouldn't have been born when this had happened. No, she's yes. nowhere. Yeah. That. So, so the deal is, she's given the script. She reads it. She's reading it like a dark comedy. She's reading it like a satire, and she was probably going, "Jesus, this is a funny story. <laughs> this could be good. This is great satire. This is great commentary." And then to come to the end and find out that it was, she 
what? So I think that's the strength of the script. Because if you have no prior knowledge to what this story is really about, you could just read it as a commentary on social, political, and media types mm-hmm. of in ways. And it's a dark comedy. There, were, there was humoristic aspects of it, right? I mean... Well, let's talk was, about... Because uh, I think there's a good time to talk about Allison Janey. Sure. Because we'd be remiss if we didn't... Oh, we have to talk you know, about her. Put, put her in as part of that... Um, she's just absolutely insane as a character. I've never seen a character like this on screen. No. Yeah, and it's, it's actually really interesting because the, the story behind just getting Alice and Jenny involved, Stephen Rogers is, is actually good friends with Alice and Jenny. They started their acting careers together back in the day. And um, go check out Ileana's <sighs> interview. He talks all about it. So he's always written roles for Alice and Jenny, but... Alice and Jenny has never actually got gotten to play a role that he's written for her. And so this was the first one, and that was actually one of his caveats when he was pitching this film to uh, independent studios, that he's like, if we're going to do this film, we have to have Allison. And she was already on board from the beginning, so kudos to you know getting Allison on. But the interesting is also is that there's not a lot of footage and documentation on the mother, on I, Tanya. So Stephen Rogers only had, like, a few things to go off of, and he basically wrote a character who he envisioned is the mother, who is so outrageous and so, in a way, so unbelievable, you can't believe that this is a real person. But and, and but taking that point a step further about do we believe this story, I mean... He would have had to have gotten some information from Tanya Harding herself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he couldn't have made up the character completely because then what does that say about this movie? Then maybe I, should, if I shouldn't be paying attention to it. I mean, Tanya Harding had, he had to have gotten some aspects of her life and growing up down into this movie. I mean, some of it has to be true, right? And I think him as a writer where he stepped in was adding that part uh where where she says to her, uh, this isn't verbatim, but you know, no. And in spite of in spite of you hating me, I did that knowing that you would, so you could be great. And and I think that when you talk about the why of you know how could she just be this villainous character, that's her why. Is she really wanted her to be successful at no matter what the cost, even if she hated her. And that's. Uh, you know, and I, th- I think that he wouldn't have gotten out of Tanya. But don't we don't we somewhat see that in various sporting movies? Not like, to this level. Not to well, you know, but not to the point of actual disdain for your daughter just so uh, she can be successful. You know, we, we unless have, you're talking about he's got game with Denzel Washington. No, I, I've never seen it portrayed in that way. Well, but we are. Remember that that football, that high school football movie. We actually had one of the actresses in. Uh, right now, uh, but, but Clancy Brown, I believe, played the jerk father to the to the son because he wanted the son to succeed. Like, or it was more it's important. Like Friday Night Lights. No, it, it wasn't Friday Night Lights. Yeah, no, but it was a long time. It was when three, the, four years ago. It's yeah. something with a W. Okay, yeah, I believe. I yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Please forgive me. I, I under 350 shows, I, I don't remember every title that I've seen, but I do remember it being, I believe it was Clancy Brown was the actor, and he played an asshole father mm-hmm. who wanted his son to succeed because he was living vicariously through the son. I'm not saying to the extent of Janie's performance and portrayal of Tanya's mother, but we've seen the hard parent before, is particularly when it comes to sports and or schooling, where the parent, you know, is very uh, unnecessarily hard on the child. So uh, to me, this isn't a. It's Jenny not a new thing. Great, yeah. It's not new. We've, I've seen this. We've done. seen it in the gifted, right? Is that what it's sure. called with the with the Chris Evans one? Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, gifted. It's not when the game stands still or something like that. Something, yes, something to that's that. It. that I, think, I think that's it. Boom. That's it. Took Boom me goes the dynamite. No, September 2014, I believe. Yeah. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> if that's right. Jesus. It's like but I remember. stands tall or stands still. One yeah. of us. Yeah. Anyway, um, refocusing a little bit. Yeah. You know, she, she, you understand where she's coming from. Uh, 
for that, and you, you understand that's the from an early standpoint, you you get this is the driving force of okay, her life, meaning Tanya's, is is a living hell, and and the irony, you know, as the as the movie kind of comments on it, is she goes from one bad situation to the next. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really find a way out of it, and it's an interesting nature versus nurture. Debate. I mean, because of how who she gets involved with. Number one, at a young age, she has a choice. School, skating. That's it. There wasn't like you can go to school and after school you have to practice in skating. Can't afford both. What are you going to do? And the choice was made to do skating. Because that that's what the child took to. Okay, you understand that? Great. But because of the mom, like if the mom had any kind of motherly nurturing abilities, maybe she wouldn't have gotten into an abusive relationship. But the way the movie sets things up, you understand why she's with this wife beater and monster. You know, I mean, like you sort of get it. They and, did a great the, portrayal of him in the sense of those moments, because <clears throat> you know, and I feel bad because I, I sometimes see not to that extent, but I know when like the boyfriend comes back and he's saying the BS lines. And you right. know this is going to be short-lived, and it's unfortunate. And you're like, don't you smell this a mile away? Like, aren't... Well, you know, but he, he was portrayed so innocently. Well, that's what so I'm when saying. That he first played it hit, so perfect. It was perfect. So when that first hit came, we were like, whoa, okay. And that, I guess, is a part of the story that I wasn't made aware of, um, being in Boston. But the guy's, you know, he's he was just he was a he was a dummy too. He was a monster, played wonderfully by Sebastian Stan, known to many as the Winter Soldier. I mean, he was fantastic in this movie. I thought. I mean, it was like this is this is great to see these people outside of these superhero roles, and you actually get right, to like see them. they're actors. Correct. Can you imagine? And <laughs> Well, they act well in those movies. I'm not taking anything away from those movies. But, like, but he was like, really they good. They actually had the talent for like yeah. good acting. It's not like yeah. commercialized. It's like they have he the was, talent for. He it. was very good in this. I movie. think he was great. He was so, so good out. at being an a hole <laughs> to the point where you're like, "Girl, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, like, why do you bring this upon yourself? Get out! Get out!" And like, you're just frustrated for her in the situation that she's in. But also makes it just the context of the whole story very understanding of the situation she was also put in. The people she was surrounded by, she was not in a good environment. She was not with good people. So when things, when her world was crashing down on her, you feel bad. You actually do generally feel bad for her. Yeah. I, she it, made bad choices and part of it did. was the way that she was yeah. nurtured. Or, yeah. But it was also the people who she wanted to keep being with. Yeah. It's part of the technique, right? Um, if you really break it down, it starts off with there's there's a little bit of a love story, but then there's a you know a sports movie, let's say, in there, and then we really turn it into somewhat of a heist movie, and then like a boxing match movie because you know, the fact the way she approaches it, you know, we, we brought up that line of like, okay, so you're here for the incident, here we go, and like that's the main event. I. As far as technique, I applaud it from being able to switch genres just like that. And that's what keeps it entertaining. Were you at all reminded at any certain point, like perhaps the conception of the incident? I was reminded a little bit of Logan Lucky. Like Uh, Logan Lucky's a satire, in a sense, uh, of the time. White trash people, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Ocean Mm 7-Eleven. Except I like those people much better. (laughs) <laughs> and Logan Lucky. Well, luckily they're, they're so life, fictitious. That's true. That's probably why I like them better. In the, in this movie, there's not really any good people except for maybe her coach, like, yeah, like maybe two coach. of her coaches. But the 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 one that at the beginning, and then she gets fired, and then she comes back at the end, who sort of sees like maybe if I help, maybe if I nurture her more, maybe she can go down a different path. But there really aren't likable people in this movie. And most of them, if not all of them, are idiots. Yeah. And the, dumb. That's what's so frustrating. Like, the husband and the associates who oh. pretend to be the bodyguard. I'm like, how are they getting away with all of this? And, like, just their actions and their thoughts 
mental thought process of how they were trying to justify like we could do this and they think they're so smart but yet they're so idiotic you want to slap them <laughs> Sean yeah, yeah Sean it's like you literally want to slap them and like how were you able to pull this off for just being the people that you are yeah, I do and I do that's why well, I they didn't pull it off yeah, no. no but like I but how also- could Galuli be that stupid to realize to not think that the Sean was anything but what he portrayed himself to be? Okay, but but when Is you're surrounded by those people and that's that's your worldview in a sense, what else do you got to go off of? And I guess you know I could see you get sucked into that because you have no point of reference. Um, let's talk about but the- at least Tanya, at least according to the movie. She recognized that Sean was a big steaming pile of poo. She even said so. Like you're, yeah. She basically said you're an idiot. Get out of my face. (laughs) Yes, maybe. But but even you know whether or not that's true. Despite that, in the movie, she still had his company. So it's you know she didn't do herself any uh, any good there. Um, Shifting gears uh, before we get to the what you wanted to talk about but let's talk about the music and then we'll shift gears into the larger context of all of this um i thought the music as far as production was quite good i thought you know part of what makes this movie quite satirical is that you're encapsulated by by this music and the soundtrack and you're just bobbing your head to it i was at least yeah i mean there's a lot of diegetic music in this movie and it's also it, it i didn't really remember orchestral if there was any i mean we had peter nashville who did the music but there were notable soundtracks from that time back in the 90s back in the 80s when this all happened uh like i remember those music like zz top compared to instrumental yeah but chicago that chicago song wasn't from the 90s that was if I'm correct, from either the 70s or 80s. I mean, again, it was such a variety of music that we're listening to here. And it's just something that has always been done. Rock and roll has always been in movies, okay? Always. And it's how it's used. And and I think in the, with, with um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which used music, which music, like not score, but like rock music to such effect... And we're seeing it now more and more. I think the soundtrack of this movie, too, was perfectly set to the various scenes and what's going on. And the music itself almost told the story of the scene as a backdrop. And to your point, I think it pulsated and moved the movie along. We always talk about how score can move a movie and pace the movie. Uh, The music here, which was like source music, it's rock and roll. Move the movie, move the movie along. Gave the movie a pulse and a pace, and it did it really well. It's a very good soundtrack. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, the only reason I knew about the incident is because Maria Menounos spoke to Nancy Kerrigan before Nancy went on Dancing with the Stars, and I happened to be there. Mm. That's by the way. If I didn't, if that didn't happen, I cannot guarantee that I would have actually known what the hell the context of historically this is. <laughs> and I mean to say that because if there are other people in a similar position where they don't know the context, the score sets the emotion. But in this movie in particular, if you're familiar with the song, you're going to already know, and you're going to kind of get into that familiar place because right. of that song, and therefore. Um, it's going to make the events seem quite familiar, even if you aren't actually familiar with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of the technique. Yeah, and it definitely helped set up the time, what what music is being, that they're listening to. Um, but again, it really was the pulse of this of this movie. And you mentioned ZZ Top, too, right? Well, so, that was actually her song that, that she used her for song. her routine. Right, so. and, and that was so unorthodox. At the time, well, period. It still is. is. You know, you're not using ZZ Top, and that's another reason why the judges were like, like they they don't like out of the box so much outside of various techniques and triple axles and whatever. But hell, if you do a song that what Z who who is the you're just too damn loud. (laughs) And this is this this is uh, her rebellion, I think. You know, if again that is true that she used ZZ Top, I mean she did, she did. I don't, you know. Um, 
when they talked about the passenger, right? Because that's the ending movie. Uh, was the passenger was something obviously female, and the lyrics resonated. Um, so that's why they chose it to be. It was, it was the right way to sort of end it. You know, and then of course you got Devil Woman mm-hmm. by Cliff Richard, right? And that's, that's on when, the nose, right? And the, but that's when we're meeting Alice and Janie as the mother on the ice skating rink. You know, she's you know she's gonna get she's gonna get you. Romeo and Juliet by Dire, dire Straits. Free your mind from 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 invoke. Goodbye, stranger from Super Tramp. Right. So all of these songs are as satirical as they just build this build upon the satire in this movie and how they were juxtaposed to what's happening on screen. Yes, and so let's talk about the build up to what we've been building up, the larger context of this movie. Tanya Harding. Which, by the way, she was not allowed to go to Canada. <laughs> she gets a 24-hour pass to be able to attend the Toronto International Film Festival. Cut to now. She's being hailed as uh, uh, very brave for telling her story. Where did, And, you know, where, where, where I opened up our quote, I think it... It does. I don't know. I think about that quote that I opened up with because it does put us in a somewhat awkward position where we, uh, uh, where we applaud diversity of opinion and we don't want to tell people they're wrong. But at a certain standpoint, you kind of have to pick a judgment and say this is right or this is wrong. This movie, well, particularly this new celebrityism, is making us forget about the victim and. Look, I don't mind that this movie was made. I don't mind that Tanya Harding um, had input. You know, a lot of interviews, a lot of her input was, was, was given. I am getting, again, I do mind of the celebrity that's being made of her now. And when you have an award winner, you know, Alice and Janney on stage thanking Tanya Harding, all I can think about is Nancy Kerrigan going, what the fuck is going on here? What do you mean? You're thanking her? It's like she, sorry, she's like, she she kneecapped me. And and I don't care what you say. She was part of that. She was part of the clan that planned to kneecap me. And I'm trying to figure out. It's not, not too unlike, like, remember when they were making Celebrity of Sean Spicer? Right? So he gets, you know, he quits. And he's known for lying for, for a certain person. And then all of a sudden, he starts going to award shows. He's being interviewed. And finally, some people are like going, why are you making a celebrity of this person? And I'm thinking, I tell you the same way. She'll probably be front and center in the Academy Awards. She's probably going to have a seat at the table. And I'm going, and in one way, shape, or form, depending who wins, she may be thanked and whatever. But I'm like, folks... There was a victim to all of this. Like this isn't this isn't a fictional movie. Somebody got hurt badly and and like the mere fact like you should be talking about how that person got a silver medal. You know, she had to persevere. Now, I don't remember Nancy Kerrigan's face on that podium. You know, and how it was portrayed in this movie. But still, to go into the Olympics after a broken kneecap and 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 to fight that, I mean, she was a victim, and I think that we're sort of forgetting who that victim is. And I'm not just saying that because I'm from Boston, but even but even if that's the case, I don't care where you're from, you shouldn't forget that there was a victim, that this was a crime, and it was planned out as stupidly as it was planned out. Somebody got really hurt in their career, most likely after the Olympics. I don't remember her skating again, Nancy Kerrigan. So we can't forget about the victim. And let's, you know, Tanya Harding, I get it. This movie, perfect. But let's not start thanking her for right. the story. I, like, and I agree with that because watching this film, I did feel also bad for Nancy Kerrigan because she was, like you said, the victim. But in the actual film, they only showed maybe, maybe 20 seconds of Nancy. <laughs> it's totally an, a Tanya story. And you're like... Well, how how how's the person who actually got affected by this too? It's like both of your careers 
essentially ended after this, but it shouldn't have had to end this way in the first place. And like you just feel bad because also this is a a an athlete towards a fellow athlete and that itself is just a moral crime. Like you don't do that to your own teammate. And that's what's also just unfortunate because this was a woman to another woman. This is a prestigious sport within like a, a humongous uh field that everyone knows of it's it's unheard of and it's just so wrong that it even happened and like that's where a lot of the you know why the story also broke up because you wouldn't expect it coming from a fellow teammate it was a big shock yeah it was a big shock to find out that it was from within the family that 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 this takeout happened and it like the movie portrays tanya in a way where she was a victim of circumstance. Like she, she claimed she didn't know. I didn't know what he was doing. Well, it's like you... I, okay, I get it, but your blinders are on. You couldn't have had your head so far up your butt that you didn't realize what, what these two idiots were up to something. Something. Like she gave her, oh, like she gave she gave them the actual address. Like this is where Nancy <laughs> Kerrigan skates, skates. trains. Like yeah. she gave them all the information that they needed. Yeah. Come on, girl. So yeah, it's. It, I mean, she was, she was uh, disbarred from the is it IOC or, or, or international skating skating. She, yeah, she, yeah. And then obviously, you know, she could still skate, but no, no one decent was ever going to skate with her or against her, right? If it's unsanctioned, sure. Yeah. So sure. So she didn't even. I, I'm not even sure if she ever tried to be a. a, a, a like a, a teacher, you know, I, mean, I mean, well, I'm not saying. Well, it doesn't. She she could teach somebody to skate, and then they can go on to somebody else. But you know, again, there was a reason for that. Competitive, let's say. I believe yeah. it's like she was banned <clears throat> from actual competitive skating. And and there's there's a reason for that. You know, I mean, she had to it, but this movie sort of kind of paints it like. I really didn't know. And they even have uh, Sebastian Stan as Galuli say, yeah, I ruined her life. I ruined her career. Okay, yeah, you had a major hand in it for sure. But, you know, again, just coming from Boston, Galuli and that other idiot bodyguard. Sean. (laughs) Sean, yeah, they were well known, but the villain was Tanya Harding. She was the villain. Well, she was the there was the public face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's 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 interesting, and um, I don't know. I think I think we need to kind of come together and, and figure out what the right stance is because I don't. Um, as everything continues, I, yeah, I don't think you can applaud everyone just because for the sake of diversity and not wanting to uh, say someone's wrong, you eventually have to. That's like giving carte blanche to Hitler. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> what if the, what if this movie was fiction? Right? What if this movie, it's not, I know, but let's try to step outside. If this movie was fiction, we'd be going, wow, what a great satirical comedy, dark comedy this is. But knowing that it's based in reality. It's tough because, you know, if if it was a true fiction, I think you needed to portray Nancy a little bit. Because this movie assumes that you know what true. you're getting into. So that, so it changes true. the context a little bit. And ironically, that's still, even with it being historic, I, I would have liked to see them interact a little bit more before the incident. I don't need even after the incident. Just before to, to kind of get their dynamic. True. To yeah. show that there actually was a friendship. But again, the movie glosses over the, the glare. Yeah, they glossed over Nancy. Only 20 <laughs> seconds of her is in the film. And also was her just... Her smoking a bong. Yeah. <laughs> What's also really just frustrating is that because I don't feel watching this film, there was ever really a moment where Tanya felt bad it actually happened to Nancy. Like, hey, this well, happened. Well, she straight like, up didn't. You know, well, and that's the thing. There's no real moment where you see Tanya actually have genuine remorse for a f- slash a friend and an athlete and a teammate like you never saw that moment so just as an audience member how do you feel for tanya when she doesn't even feel you're right um there's like, no so there's no sympathy exactly and and again too and i think what could have diffused a lot okay i'm not saying that there wouldn't be a schism between kerrigan and and, and harding but had tanya harding had the sense or she had somebody 
you you have to apologize. I mean, she made this apology, but it was such a false apology. Like, there was nothing... It was just cookie cutter. Had she gone out with heart and said, look, I was friends with Nancy Kerrigan. You know, I could claim that I had nothing to do with this, but my head being in the sand is not an excuse for the events that happened. I hold myself accountable because I'm married to this man. No longer, but I'm married to this man. So I am at fault, you know, and I take blame and I and I truly apologize. And if she had said anything like Nancy and I were competitors, but we were friends and I'm sure we'll never get that back again. But I apologize for what happened and be at least have some sympathy. I mean, I think right there, that was a better apology than what she actually gave. I mean, she was complicit to this and she doesn't even admit to the to being well this movie certainly doesn't help no and mend any bonds of broken friendship no alright but she didn't want it to your point I don't think she wanted it yeah there's like from a woman watching this story about two women towards each other you would just want to have that real moment of like hey something terrible happened and I just feel genuinely bad yeah we didn't I feel get bad that. about it. We did not get that. No, well, we, I, I, you know, we I, did I, get. She got hit once. I got hit. I got multiple, hit. You know, all the time. I mean, from the movie, but perspective, that does doesn't justify <laughs> it, right? No, it doesn't. Not by any any stretch of the imagination. However, you know, it, it's unfortunate in terms of the way the movie presents it. The fact that it, it, all. It, it, you know, she's just so tired. The reason why I don't think she truly apologizes again, this is just in the movie context, is because every time she's tried to be right, she's gotten a hit in the face for it. And you know mm-hmm. what? She's tired of being, quote, hey, here's what I think, and then just being beaten around. So she's like, you know what? No, I'm right on this one. And yeah, you know what? Like, she could take one thing to the knee, she'll live. Mm-hmm. Not right, no, but I understand I, it from the context of the movie. It's the attitude towards it. Yes. She, she was so nonchalant about yes. it. Like, hey, it happened. Okay. And I, and but I but, but the she... harder thing is I could see, like, take the movie out of it, take the, you know, and whatever. But I apply it to anybody else. I could see that sort of logic within a person develop. And in I fact, do. there's probably people out there that we know that apply that logic it, to life. But I think, too, had she had somebody... I don't know where that coach was, but had she taken some responsibility for what went down? I think people in history would have judged her differently. We would have still, from Boston's standpoint, uh, looked at her as a villain. But at least that she came up front and took responsibility, even though it was for somebody else's actions. But to play ignorant to it, I think that's what that's grabs the, the ire of everybody. Well, and now she's a celebrity again. Well, yes. Well, I wouldn't say celebrity. I say she's getting notoriety. Definitely. Well, that's even worse. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Listen, you have good celebrities and you have bad celebrities, but the notoriety is something of high stature, importance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I think I don't know. In the context of the movie, I think the Infamous. coach was probably too scared to be that parental figure because. And the shadow is always lurking, the mom. <laughs> so, God forbid, you say, you know, you go against that. But she so left that mom. Yeah, like, but she was, that, but, you know, I know that, that rope was there. True. Anyway. All right. Any final thoughts before we... Uh... Well, we didn't talk, you know, I do have to, again, sitting and watching it as a movie, I was brought into this story. And I thought that the tech aspects of this movie, whether from editing, from sound design, from the way that we followed Margot Robbie skating and doing whatever she's doing on the ice rink and the way that the camera flowed and followed and the way that it was cut. Now, I could tell that there was some doubling going on, but if they use digital to... You know, to put Margot Robbie's face on somebody. I mean, I thought that that was pretty flawless. 
Yeah, and the great thing is, um, we've actually had the editor of I, Tanya, also in studio. Uh, go check out On the Fly Filmmaking. We had Tatiana Regal actually talk about how she had to choose specific shots because they had to do so many takes of the same movement because it is such a technical sport. And it's so hard to pull off a triple axle that like they had to perfectly, seamlessly match motions um, from Margot Robbie's actions to the actual professional skater's actions and um, like in just the layering and the composition of like background and all the VFX that were actually put into the film, uh, it's, it's an interesting process that they went through. And it's, it's beautiful because there were, uh, Tatiana said, in the, the routines, they have like three specific different looks and tones. Like the first one where she's like dancing to or doing the ZZ Top routine. It's more rock. It's harder. There's fast edits. There's a lot of anger type of tension. Uh-huh. In it. And then when it comes to like the Olympics, there's a, there's a different feel and there's different longer takes and shorter takes here and there. And like that was an actual creative process that they had to choose from the editing standpoint. And um, it was done beautifully because if you isolate all the routines of Tanya's, they sure. all vastly look different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, from a tech standpoint, the movie, like, um, not since, uh, what was uh, what was that figure skating movie that was big with... Uh, Aladdin on Ice? <laughs> Aladdin on Ice, yes! I don't know. No. <laughs> the Ice Capades! Well, it was funny that they mentioned the Ice Capades. Figure skating. Do, do, do they even exist? I don't know. No, it was the guy and the girl and the guy who was a hockey player. He got hurt, and he can only be a figure skater. Um... It sounds a, like a romantic comedy. Marissa, you're like, wrong. With the comedy. I should know this. You should know this. Um, DB was a DB Sweeney, I think, was in it. Uh, Moira Kelly was in. I don't know. It was a it's romantic. Cutting ice edges. Ca- that's the one. Well, Thank you. Never yeah, I was coming it. to never me. Never seen it. Yeah. Cutting Cut, edge. Yeah, yeah. Not since the cutting the edge. The first one. Not the, <laughs> I didn't Don't even, even know watch that the there second. were sequels. Uh, not since the cutting edge. His figure skating looked so good. <laughs> other than in I, Tanya. <laughs> so it took a long time to get to that one. Sorry, folks. <laughs> hey, I've remembered our movies we're talking about. <laughs> so, um, yeah. It's, uh, again, it's, the movie did draw me in. It did make me think what uh, you know. It did. It did give me pause, and I had to think about certain certain events. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, I mean, I do recommend as a movie, but don't forget the victim, and take it with a grain of. I think you really do have to take this with a grain of salt. All right. Bring your salt shakers. <laughs> Twenty million bucks uh, in box office thus far. Again, not too bad. No, for for no. a small you know neon, which is a very independent company, um, on the lines of like an A twenty four. I mean, they're definitely getting their money's worth out of releasing this movie thus far, and I think they'll get a little bit more once we get closer to the Academy Awards. Performances are worth seeing, right? I know? mean, Elsa Jenny is fantastic, yeah. despite if the character is slightly false <laughs> <Crazy>. or not. <laughs> um, but uh, Stephen Rogers did say that uh, he purposely went the, the independent route because he believed that studios would kill this movie. Yeah. Like, he'd be, he worked so hard on the story that he would have been heartbroken just to get turned by the studios again on another what could have been a flop. Yeah, and, and again, I have to point out why is there no uh, attention being drawn to Margot Robbie as producing this movie, starring in this movie? Oh, oh. Again, you say she's your age, you know, independent, smart, a fantastic actress, well within, you know, in her own right. But now she's producing, she's, you know, whether they're indie films Mm -hmm. or such, you know, this is a multi-hyphenate woman in the marketplace. Give her, let's, let's, let's give her some more credit. I mean, I think it's fantastic what she's able to do. It's not a stinky movie by any chance. Um, it just you should just need to think of all sides when you see it. Yeah, it's a very biased movie, and that's what's frustrating. Mm. Well, people can say that about any movie, can't they? <laughs> they can. all right. King Kong, you know. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, where uh, definitely let us know your thoughts on this movie. It's so much to decompress on. We are certainly not the end-all, be-all of it. We just want to get the opinion out there yes, and, and talk about it with you guys. You know. <laughs> 
And you know what? Maybe you'll change our opinion through your comments. Why not? Just make them, make them good. Don't make just be good. like, you suck. Yeah. I highly suggest, um, because the Winter Olympics is coming up now, but the last Winter Olympics, they actually, NBC did an amazing documentary on both Nancy Kerrigan and I, Ta- on Tanya <laughs> Harding, for both sides. And it's not biased and you can watch that documentary that's available uh, out there in the world um, watch that and that gives you a bigger scope of the whole story there you mm-hmm. go all right ladies and gentlemen well uh we're going to continue on our award season movie fest with upcoming movies we're going to have the post three billboards uh call me by your name and all the other ones that we have yet to get to We've already covered a lot of them, and of course, we've covered a lot of movies in our past, a lot of Margot, Ru- Margot Robbie movies, uh, whether Wolf of Wall Street, whether um, Z for Zachariah, Suicide Squad, um, Legend of Tarzan, so definitely check out uh, those various ones, and whatever other movie you want. In the meantime, uh, follow and interact with at Serafini TV, That's right. at DMovies1701. Please do. And this has been At The Popcorn Talk. I am at Phil Svitek. We'll see you guys on another Anatomy of a Movie. So long. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.